You are listening to the Tricer Podcast, where we talk all things hunting, gear, and the great outdoors. Before we begin, let's start things out right and put God first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Tricer, and I ask that you can use this podcast as a way to bring joy to all of our listeners. We lay Tricer and this podcast at your feet. Amen. Today, I am joined by Rocky Dedamonte, Utah boy who uh, kills a bunch of stuff and wants to tell us some stories about hunting. So, Rocky, tell me about yourself. Well, I don't know about kills a bunch of stuff. I kill some stuff, but I'm not, I'm not much of a killer, if you ask me. But, uh, yeah, I'm um, Rocky Dedamonte, as he said. I'm from, I grew up in southern Utah, big mule deer and big elk country. Yeah, and I've been just hunting my whole life. I got started when I was just a little kid, my dad always used to take us when we were young and not as much as we wanted. He he had a really good balance of taking us just enough for us to love it, but uh, not so much that we, uh, that we got enough, you know? So it, it really created that, uh, that desire to want to go all the time. He'd leave us home sometimes too, so he could actually go hunt. And that really, uh, that really bothered me that he'd leave us home sometimes. So I guess I got real sick for it because of that. But yeah. Yeah. I have five kids, so I'm always like trying to balance that out too, right? I feel like almost all my tags are kids' tags, not right. not my tags. And uh, so, like, I'm going, I try and go like one hunt a year without the kids, because even when I like, we're going over to, to uh, see you guys here in a few weeks in Utah, and uh, we have a bunch of cow tags, but I'm gonna be worried about getting them and my father-in-law a cow, not myself, right? And so it's like always, it's nice to have a tag when the kids aren't there, so you can really focus on yourself, right? So it, I, I, I understand where your dad was coming from. That's for sure. Right. Well, and I even, I got a muzzleloader antelope tag here in Utah this year. And uh, that starts, that starts Wednesday actually. And like, I was really, I wanted to get the muzzleloader tag instead of the archery so I could take my daughter. We just had a little girl who's, she's nine months old now. I really wanted to take her along and stuff. But as we get closer, I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to bring her. That's a lot of extra chores. Like that's a lot of extra to, to do and yeah it's just an antelope hunt and I'll, I'll probably just shoot the first one i see i'm not i'm not picky about antelope but uh yeah it, it turns into just babysitting instead of actually hunting it seems like when you bring kids along all the time but yeah how old did you say, say she was she's nine months so i mean she's not gonna remember it anyway so i won't put oh, nine months right now yeah but yeah uh, leave her at home yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah i uh, yeah. i had taken her like scouting yeah. a few times it's and, fun i I think we got a bit of a delay. So like, we're kind of talking over each other, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to take her along. Like when I go scout and I go get cameras and things like that. And I just, I mostly, I thought it'd make a good video for my brother's YouTube, but just being able to take her along would just add to the video. But I don't know that I really want to put forth that kind of effort, especially on just like, just like an antelope hunt. They're meant to be easy anyway. Might as well just go out and drink Cokes and I'll take my dad along and, and my brother instead. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I have never hunted antelope. I put in for it every year. I really just need to go to Wyoming and go hunt one. But uh, I mean, putting it in Arizona and California, it's like almost impossible to draw that tag. I know you can go to Wyoming and New Mexico and kill one. But yeah, my kid went out and killed one in New Mexico last year. And it was literally just a drive up and find the one you wanted. And they got out and they killed some giant antelope. It seems like a really like the it kind of seems like the dove hunting of the big game world. It, it really is. It's just like, but it's my favorite. It's so relaxed. Like there's so many times where we get these big bull tags or like get a, get a good deer tag. And it just feels like work sometimes. Like even my brother has a muzzleloader deer tag starting on Wednesday. And I 
I like go into the spot that he's hunting in. Like we, I've spent 15 plus days out there now looking, looking, we're chasing a pretty decent deer out there. And it's just, oh, it's just one of those spots where like, it's not super high deer density. So you don't see a lot of deer and it just, it feels like work, man. I'm not even excited for his hunt out there. Like he's chasing a big deer, so it should be fun. But this antelope hunt, man, I'm pumped for it. Just because you, like you're saying, you drive out there, you see him, you shoot him. <laughs> like it's just so much more relaxed and and so much lower pressure. Yeah, I, that's how I feel about this cow hunt we have. We have five tags in our camp right now for this cow hunt, and it's just like there's no pressure. It's just like I know we're gonna kill some cows. I know we're gonna have some fun, and it's not like I'm chasing, you know, a giant bull and a. And, you can't really feel bad about shooting a cow. I mean, you shoot a, you know, you shoot a raghorn bull and like, oh, I wish I would hunt up for a six, but a cow is a cow, you know, it's just, right. it's, so it's kind of, I, I understand the no pressure thing. It is nice to do that sometimes. Yeah. Well, same yeah, way with antelope the same. for me. Taste, they all taste the same. Yeah. Yeah. Antelope. It's like, oh, they're all two points. Yeah. Like, let's just, let's just go find one we like and, and dump it. <laughs> <laughs> I but, like that. They're all two points. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, well, my buddy Ben Sandal, he's a he's a big antelope guy in Arizona. Like he he, I think he helped kill the world record muzzleloader a couple of years ago, and has found I mean just a ton of giant antelope, and is always guiding giant antelope in Arizona. And uh, every time I see him post a giant antelope, I'm always reminding him like, yeah, it's just a couple inches big. Like it's it's only a couple inches from the world record, you know, like like eight inches taller and a little bit more mass and it's a world record you know <laughs> he's like oh whatever they're they're all way different I'm like no nah, i yeah. can't tell the difference between any of them <laughs> but yeah so, um, uh, go ahead what is uh what's your, what's your first animal what did you what was your first how old when you killed your first animal when can you hunt in utah 10 or 12 so it's 12 now it was 14 when i started hunting so i was four i i didn't kill my oh, wow. first year but it uh so I think I was 15 before I killed my first deer. So I always had this weird goal that like, I didn't want to shoot like a two point for, for no real reason. Right. Like it was just like a, a personal thing of mine that I didn't want to kill like baby deer because I felt like I should be better than that. But it, it, I really wasn't, I was not better than that. I should have just shot as many deer as I could. But uh, my first deer, we, so in Utah, if you get a tag and you're under 18, you can hunt all three seasons, right? So you can hunt archery, muzzleloader, and rifle here in Utah. Um, so I had hunted the archery. I had just had a junkie bow that I'd go fling arrows at deer with and never ended up killing anything with. But then it came to the muzzleloader, and uh, we were hunting in this spot that my dad and my brother-in-law and my brother were hunting a giant deer. And it was it was really like a... I, I never saw it personally, but from all accounts and a couple other people were chasing it too. It was like a 30 inch wide, just tall, big, deep forked, giant, typical deer. And so he was in these few canyons, but there was a lot of other deer in them. And so my brother-in-law just stuck me in this old rickety tree stand. Like it was, it was seriously like a bench hammered into the top of a juniper that like swayed in the wind way bad. And <laughs> like it was scary getting into it, but it was, it was solid once you were up there. And, uh, and so he stuck me up there opening morning, the muzzleloader hunt. And I think I had even like forgotten my gun at home. We had to like turn around and go home just because I was so unused to like being the one hunting. I was just so used to going with everybody else. But so he came and picked me up. He told me, he told me, you'll probably have some bucks walk by. They never did. So he came and picked me up later that morning. 
and we just walked over to meet my dad and my uh, brother and we were watching they were watching a few deer go up the hill in front of them when i showed up and there there was it was a bachelor herd of bucks and it was just like baby buck it was like two point two point two point walking up this hill and they're like 70 75 yards away from us and i had an open sight tradition traditions muzzleloader i mean just like terrible trigger on the thing like i just barely sold it a couple of years ago but i held i held on to it forever but just like this old junky muzzleloader and finally this one deer steps out at at like that 70 yards like i'm saying and i my dad's like oh i can see the one side the four point boom and i shot about that fast <laughs> as soon as i heard that it wasn't a two point and, uh, <laughs> and and i hit this deer like I mean, just perfect. Like it was mostly luck to, to do it with that open sight muzzleloader the way I did, but hit him perfect. And he tumbled over backwards. And I remember just like yelling and screaming all loud because I was so excited. And then, uh, and then my dad's like, shut up, that bigger buck might still be in here. And he got, and I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and so I got, uh, I got humbled pretty quick there. I was like, well, if that bigger deer's here, why are you having me shoot this one? But we walked over to it. It was good, like little three by four that, uh, that I was just so pumped to have just cause like you build it up so much in your head, right? Like just watching everybody else hunt, you think it's going to be this big grand thing. And I was just, and, and it was to me at that point, you know, like just, just the coolest thing I'd ever done. And, and it was as good of a deer as like any of my friends had killed up to that point. And so like, it was, it was a way cool, way cool experience. And I just remember, I remember taking him home and eating him and, and he had a, and he had a messed up hoof that so everybody just gave me crap that i didn't actually hit him that he just tripped over his hoof and died (laughs) but but it was just uh it was just a way fun way fun memory i still have like his rack i I think everybody keeps their first one i don't i don't know if most people are like me i end up selling a lot of the stuff i kill off to antler buyers before too long but that one i think i'll always hold on to that's awesome man i uh my first deer it was in 2016. I was like, I'm like a late bloomer to the big game. I adult always on No, I had no family that hunted. I kind of, yeah, adult, that's what it is, adult onset, yeah. Um, and man, I hunted for 12 days and I killed that buck at like two in the afternoon. And I swear, I shot him three times. Every shot was a kill shot, but I was just, when I shot him, I was by myself and I was yelling and hooting and hollering and just, I couldn't believe it. I was so jacked when i killed that deer it was awesome well it's it people underestimate it man like oh i was just saying like there there's something in our dna about killing like big game like i've been duck hunting i've been bird hunting and it's all super fun to me i think that's just like just relaxing and way fun to go do but man when you get something like substantial on the ground i swear there's something in our in our dna that's just like oh this is something you know like this is something that i can live off of for a while and and it just gets you that much more jazz and pumps up the adrenaline that much more yeah and it really is the chess match too right i mean like i duck hunt i love it i I, I bird hunt but you know when you're hunting a big game there's so much that goes into killing that animal it's not like you just sit in a blind and you blow your call and then you know i I guess it is like that in texas and some other places but Right. You know, when you're on Western mid game, it, it, it take it can be five, six days in, and you finally have a buck step out, and or you've been chasing the same buck for three or four days, and every day he's you're trying to figure it out, and he keeps dodging you, and you finally kill that deer. I mean, there's something about that that's just magical. It's incredible. 
which is such a good feeling. Nothing replaces no. it. There's nothing like it. Nothing, nothing like it at all. And and you're 100 percent right. Like even like I had like I had said I had gone the whole year beforehand and I had missed a couple deer when I was so when I was 14 I had missed a couple deer with like a muzzleloader and I think I'd missed one with the rifle. Then I had hunted that whole bow season. So going into that first deer, you know, like I had already had a full season and well a full year and then a, another full season of heartbreak, you know. So like when you finally get that last one that get that tag punch, like it always feels super good and. uh and that reminds me of, of another story, like probably, probably the best day of hunting that I've ever had. And this is a long story. So prepare yourselves, listeners. This one could take the whole rest of the podcast. Is this your, I, before you, before you, so before you go into that, I kind of want to hear, you said you sell some of your antlers to shed buyers. Yeah. I, I know nothing of shed hunting. So what do you mean by that? Oh, so like, uh, so you, you, you kill, you kill a bull, you'll, you'll kill a bull and just solves all the antlers off and sell it off. Huh? I've only done it a couple of times. I think I still have, I have my, I've only killed two bulls. So there, I still both have both of them. Um, I think I've only sold like two of my deer, just, just like deer that were just like, not that big, like maybe just didn't have that much of a story. Like I just don't have that much of an attachment to them. And so, yeah, I've just cut them off and sold them. Like in, cause to me, like as far as trophy hunting goes, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself much of a trophy hunter. I like eating them and, and I've killed some okay stuff in my day, you know, like killed a few, a few, uh, what I'm sure what other people would consider trophies, but you know, like some, some higher class animals. And, uh, to me, they're just bigger wall decorations. Like they, once you kill an animal and, and eat it, like to me, like I like remembering the hunt. I like remembering those things, but it's. It's food at that point, and then just their horns just take up so much space. Like, I'm looking at, like, my bull I killed on the Manti two years ago, like, in Utah, and I got a buck I killed on the muzzleloader last year in front of me, and it's just, like, I like having those those two there because they're both, like, kind of, they're both memorable hunts. But other than that, they just sit in a storage unit, you know, and, and just take, kind of take up space. So, yeah, I've done that a couple times, but but I don't. I, I'll keep a few. Oh, so do you – do you also shed hunt then? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm actually I was talking to my antler buyer today and I've got a whole pile of horns to send to him. So what does that look like? So you go out, you find sheds and then and once a year you sell them to an antler buyer or a couple times a year? Or? Um, Just kind of depending on the year. I don't find that many. So yeah, just like once a year, I'll just take my whole pile and go, go sell them all off to him. I sell to a guy named Jared Steele who's world-class dude is uh it's great basin antler buyers his instagram he uh he's an awesome follow he's always posting big horns and and uh he's way cool dude but yeah i'll just i'll just go take um my pile of antlers to him and it's you just get um a certain amount per pound right so like if it's brown elk antler you get like i think it's at like 16 bucks a pound right now um so like a big brown set of elk horns is worth you know 300 plus dollars and, and then you get like seven bucks for white or 10 bucks for hard white. And then like your really chalky old stuff, you just get, you just get a couple bucks per pound or even less for that stuff. But it all adds up, you know, you go find, you go find a few good elk antlers that are chalky and, and you know, you get a couple hundred bucks for them. So, so yeah, like Ben, Ben's gotcha. really more so diehard able, than that. Yeah. You don't say, <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
are, are you able to like pay for your like hunting season with your out your shed hunting? Like does that no. pay for your tags and stuff? No, not not really. Like it, no. it might it might reimburse me for a little bit of gas is is what really what I'm hoping for you know like if it because it's like if I go clear to Nevada to go shed hunt a few of our spots out there like you know I'm I'm 200 bucks in gas round trip and uh, and so if I find a few big elk antlers then yeah it paid for that trip but like mostly it's just we we like going and doing it and then we get a little bit of cash back to uh, to kind of cover some costs it's not it's not super lucrative gotcha. All right, so now uh, let's hear this long story. I'm, I'm ready. This long story, this multi-year story about killing a, a deer. Well, so the same spot that my brother is hunting currently that we're chasing another big deer in, I've I've probably spent the last five years, just 90% of my deer hunting time, like scouting and things like that have been spent in this one spot over the last five years. And uh it all started because I was just out driving around one day and found a, a water just crossing the road. I was just looking for somewhere to put cameras and I saw this water cross the road. I said, Oh, what the heck, whatever. So I went through a camera on this one water hole and lo and behold, I go and check it like two months later and there's a big wide, heavy deer on it. I went, Oh sweet. Like, that's cool. Like, uh, I had no, I didn't even think there was deer in this spot. Like, so that's, that's awesome. And, uh, so I went out there a few times. I had a dedicated hunter tag. Uh, here in Utah, which basically gives you deer tags for three years and you're allowed to kill two deer uh, out of those three years and get just get a tag each year and then you're allowed to kill two of those years and you're allowed to hunt all the seasons. So I, I had gone out there a couple times and, and tried looking for this deer, tried tracking them off this water, just like with not not a whole ton of success. And like I was saying, it's a super low deer density area so just like you'd go out there and just not see a deer like for a couple days and so first year of trying to find that deer just like no dice second year i think went the same way uh just just nothing just could never turn them up could never turn up any of the other deer he's with i'd get them on my camera on that water like once so then the next year we started getting real serious put out a bunch more cameras started spending a bunch more time out there to try to figure out like okay where are these deer going what's going on and uh and finally, we start getting these deer on camera consistently. For whatever year it was, a, for whatever reason, that year was real droughty. So this water hole that we had this camera on really like was pulling in a lot of bucks and, uh, and pulling them in consistently. And so this one deer, um, we ended up calling him the inline. He's just a, it's the, first, the deer I had on camera that first year, just a big, wide, heavy deer. I think um, he, uh, him and it was like seven other deer had been coming in and including two other pretty nice deer. Um, so during the archery, I spent 15 days, or it was, yeah, it was 15 days of the archery sitting in this blind, and it was 100 plus degrees in that blind. It was so bad that, like, my there was, I was shooting a carbon bow, and the way they build those carbon bowls, bows is your riser's carbon, then it ties into an aluminum block before it goes into your limb. And the epoxy that combined that attached the aluminum to the carbon had started to like separate. So my bow was like falling apart, <laughs> like from just the heat in this blind, <laughs> and uh, just the epoxy was breaking down. Um, but day fifteen, these deer finally came in. Like first time I had ever even like seen them in person, and uh, and they came in right at last light. And I hit this one deer that we called the boxy deer, and he's a stud deer. Ended up being like one seventy three or something like that, but just 
he had really crappy trunks, but just like a big framed deer. And uh, so I ended up shooting him with my bow. And so then it was just down to the inline buck. And that, that's what we started calling that big, white, heavy deer because he just had one little inline on his right side. And my brother started hunting him. So real quick. Had dedicated. Go ahead. The, you said you were driving down the road and you saw water. So I feel like there's this misconception that you have to go like 10 miles deep right now to kill animals. You were driving <laughs> down the road and you saw water crossing the road and that's where you found so – you're not hunting 10 miles into the backcountry right now. I'll, I'll tell you, my blind when I shot that deer was 100 yards off the road. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> like, like it, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, just to, to further talk on that, that's something I have an opinion on is like, I feel like your back country is almost just as crowded as your front, front country right now. And where I've had, I've had success in the back country a lot in recent years, but I've also had plenty of success just finding pockets that people are missing, like right off the road just like like this one like there okay. like it's it's right off the road where we've been killing a lot of our best deer over the past couple of years so anyway there's that hot tip for wow. anybody who who cares but uh so anyway we're chasing this inline deer and we end ben ends up chasing him i think he spent 30 days on this deer between all the hunts and this whole story is on his youtube too so you guys will have to go check that out but he ends up watching this deer get shot he was on the point, finally finds the deer, finally sees him in person for the first time in 30 days of hunting him. And uh, this sees a kid running up towards him. The kid flops down, flops out his bipod and shoots that deer faster than my brother could get on it. Which, that's a pretty abbreviated version of event oh, that day. Right. But, but, I mean, 30 days of time on this deer to have somebody just shoot it, like, while you're sitting there. You know, like, he, he could see the other deer that were with the buck. And he just couldn't see the big buck. And so he was just kind of relaxed. And then until he sees this kid come running up, he switches angles and then sees the big deer. And the kid just beat him to the punch. Which, I mean, kudos to that kid because Ben is not slow on the trigger. But so that that tore him up pretty good, honestly, because we just spent so much time on that deer. He ended up being like 197, 30, I think he was 32 inches wide, just like just a stomper, like just a big deer. And, uh, and so we, I, we may have, may or may not have cried over that deer getting killed just cause like it was two years before that, that I was trying to find him. And then we finally like get a decent chance at him and he, and somebody else kills him. So then you fast forward to the next year and we're back in this same spot again, even though like we have PTSD and, uh, we like, it was two days before the archery hunt started or three days before the archery hunt started. And I had a good limited entry big elk tag in, here in Utah. And so I wanted to go scout for elk, but we uh, we ran out and just tried it one day for deer. And lo and behold, we turned up another good deer that, that we had seen the year before and he had just grown and like had just blown up. So we're like, oh, great. Now we're spending the rest of our time out here again this year. It's almost just like, it almost was, uh, what's the word? It was almost disheartening to see, find another big deer out there as weird as that may seem, but we we're just like, Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, uh, we start hunting this deer and again, just like same thing through the archery. I think Ben was within a hundred yards of him seven times on the archery and just never could like seal the deal. And so we get all the way through the archery. And then my big bull tag was a muzzleloader tag. 
so I went and killed my bull and then the, like the day after we killed my bull, we didn't even like stop to celebrate. Like we're back down on this unit chasing this deer again on the muzzleloader. And, uh, and finally, after all that, Ben gets one good chance at him with his muzzleloader and, and missed. And so, and we thought, we thought that deer was going to bail out of there. We'd never see him again. Um, but we ended up going out for a couple more days, couldn't locate him and then ended up finally finding him again. And he was fine. The, we were sure that it was a clear, clean miss. So then we went out the next morning again. And uh, our dad had called us the night before and told us that our grandpa was actually in pretty bad shape. And so we we were kind of debating, like, even if we were going to go back out there, just like knowing that. And we, but then we kind of realized that if we had, we uh, if our grandpa had ever found out that we didn't go hunting on his account, he would come back to haunt us. He was a, he was a super serious hunter and and just every everything came second to the deer hunt you know like that was that was whole holy time so we figured there's nothing we could really do for him or anything so we we decided to go hunting that next morning while we were glassing um our dad called us and told us that he had uh he had passed away that early that morning and uh obviously we were sobbing on the glassing point and we were just you know a little bit of a wreck and uh but he had been sick for a long time. And so we'd kind of known it was coming. But as soon as we could get our eyes dried up enough, we looked back through our binos and, uh, and there's our buck coming down the flat. And, uh, and we just couldn't believe it, like in a good position to go cut him off. And uh, so Ben boogies off our glassing point, goes and gets in position and shoots and hits this deer, like kind of forward and low, like down in his leg. And so this deer's on, um, three legs essentially and just boogieing through the cedars and that and it's just like after all these years and all this time and watching that deer get shot out now we've got an injured buck running like it was just like doomsday for us for about 30 minutes there and so i run over onto a different point and i'm looking down in the cedars looking 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 i finally find the deer and so i get ben on the radio i was like hey he's right here and and ben was on his tracks and so we ended up getting Ben below him and he walked out on this side hill and uh and I remember just like telling him through the radio he had a bug in his ear and I was just or we might have been on the phone I can't remember but uh I just remember telling him like he's gonna pop out on that side hill and that's where he's gonna kill him and I remember seeing the bullet just like hit the dirt behind the deer and watching the deer drop before I ever even heard the shot because he was a few hundred yards away and I just we just both just dropped and started sobbing and uh, it was just like a really crazy moment that like our grandpa had passed away just that morning. And then we ended up killing our target buck that day. And, uh, and I remember my brother calling my dad, my dad asking, he's like, did you see an old man out there helping you track that deer? <laughs> and we just kind of felt like that. We felt like, I remember, <laughs> I think even, I think even Ben said it as soon as like, uh, as soon as we saw that deer that morning, like, oh, we're going to, he's going to die today and it's going to be for grandpa. And, uh, and it just, it felt like we had his help and he was a killer, man. Our grandpa was even up till like his last year, he, uh, he killed a stud deer down here on the Zion unit in Southern Utah. And, uh, and so we knew we were going to get it done that day. And yeah, that was probably the, the greatest day of hunting I've ever experienced. I don't know if I'll ever top that one, but yeah, that's my, that's my crazy long story. Five years leading up to it. <laughs> that is an awesome story, man. I had a guy on last week very similar he said he never met his grandpa 
but his grandma gave him his grandpa's rifle with 10 rounds of 257 robbers that he loaded for him. And he was in Colorado. He was 15 years old. And he's like, the same thing. The buck kept eluding him. And he's like, grandpa, help me out. He ended up shooting that buck with his grandpa's rifle and getting his first buck. And he still has nine of the 10 rounds of the empty casing in that so buck. Cool. And it's just, uh, hunting does something, man, with family and being together and, I'm going on this hunt right now. Next, you know, two weeks from now, it's going to be my two boys, myself, and my father-in-law. And it's just like three generations in a wall tent, you know, chasing animals. And it's just, there's something beautiful about it, incredible about it. And just, uh, you definitely know your grandpa was proud. You know, he's, at that point, he wanted you out hunting and you guys went out and uh, that buck showed up. And that's just incredible, man. That's such a cool story. Good for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, what you're saying about family and hunting like like i was saying trying to take my daughter on that antelope hunt that uh that's something i really want to do i think i'll i'll make sure and include that further on in the future just because like i'm so excited to get that part started you know like she's only nine months she's not gonna remember it it's just gonna be a pain but like that's something i'm so eager to get started so i I, (laughs) like i said i don't think i'll do it this year but but uh, moving forward, for sure, we're we're gonna incorporate that. And I just like I was saying earlier, like I feel like we get so well. I was saying that about antelope hunting. I can't remember if we were recording or not yet, but we get so involved in these hunts sometimes, as far as like putting pressure on ourselves to to find and kill a mature animal that we kind of forget. Like that's not everything, you know. Like we've got we've got generations to teach and and carry on this and this this passion for this thing in the future and that that can be just as important as getting it done on a mature animal and granted you want to achieve your goals and you want to you want to when you want to take advantage of those tags when you can get them but sometimes man just going and having like a wall tent elk camp that you're not like backpack cleared in clear in sometimes that's just as much fun as as going back there and getting into a ton of animals you know yeah exactly and i you know i'm never gonna regret having my kids in a, in a wall tent with my father-in-law you know, those are memories that you can't get back. And, and there's a time and a place for the backpack hunts, and there's a time and a place for going in deep, and there's a time and a place for sitting around a fire and telling stories like this and just uh, being with Grandpa and, you know, cooking eggs and bacon on the on the griddle in the morning and just, you know, laughing and the misses and the, the successes. And there's just something special about that that just really bonds us together as a family. And I think it's missing but it's in, in society today, but – People who get to experience, they really know what I'm saying. It's it's an incredible experience. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is something that's missing, you know, like like they used to have yeah, you used to have multiple generations living in the same households and things like that. But now we just get so involved in our own little lives and our own little world. Like like human connection is really like the the thing that makes all this worth it, that makes it all fun. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh great story, dude. Can you give me a little plug on the LP? I know you're running the LP. You liking it? The LP, dude, it's the shit. Oh, excuse me. I, we talked about that. Dang it. I never cuss on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's what's up, though. So, yeah, I've been running that LP, and uh, I've been I've been guiding off it and stuff this year. We killed a couple big bulls while I've been videoing on it and, and or, or spotting off it and stuff, and it's, it's great. Like, uh, I've been hauling a big, heavy – like video head around for the past couple of years and and being able to cut that weight 
off that even just my tripod head and then able to also go to a smaller tripod legs because of it that's been that's been killer because as much as i do love like those front country hunts as we would call them man like i i i get the bug for back country bad and i'm trying to i'm trying to think of some real like clear examples where you're where that head has been like the difference you know i think you well even this year um i've been using it a ton to just like take uh pictures like i just have an adapter for my phone and it's so nice to be able to take that lighter weight tripod when I know I'm going to be hauling meat. And so I know I'm going to have to be hauling a ton of weight out. It, but it's like, it's nothing to take that little tripod along with your guys' head. Because like, I'm I'm trying to eliminate yeah. weight as much as I can when I know I'm going to have an elk hind and front on my back. But when I can just take that little tripod in it and it makes the pictures that much better, you know, like it, because I can put it where I want when I have a tripod. I'm not looking for a branch or something. And the other great thing about it is like I video for Ben uh, on his YouTube and and do some videoing for a lot of stuff and just how buttery that head is, man, it, it just makes all the difference. When I when my footage goes from just being like jumpy and shaky on other lightweight heads to that one being buttery, it makes all the difference in the world. Oh, but I, I know, I know what I can tell you about. So <laughs> I'll have to send you some videos, Drew. But uh, I, I actually set my AR up on it. I was... I was dead set. I was going to go backpack and kill coyotes and uh, mountain lions this year. They just delisted. Well, not delisted, but just made mountain lions open season in Utah. Um, so I thought I was going to go backpack in and kill uh, and kill a mountain lion. I was going to call one in. But I ended up getting very bored and ended up getting to camp way late. So I was way tired when I got up the next morning. So I started shooting rock chucks using that pan head and, uh, with my AR. And it was... It was so awesome. I was plugging rock chucks like 250 yards away and, and just seated, like not even having to lay down, just seated with your guys' head on it. And and just being able to adjust that tension to where it could, I could just put my gun where I wanted it and it would stay there. Like that was, that was awesome. Because then it eliminated a lot of movement and I'm, I'm going to use that thing. I'm going to put it on a little bit heavier duty tripod and I'm going to use it to kill dogs this winter. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh that panhead is the little engine that could. All right, dude, tell me uh tell me where we can find you. I guess to plug your brother's YouTube channel, I guess, right? You're you're filming video for Ben and uh where can we find you? Yeah, so the best place you're going to find most of uh most of my stuff is on Ben's YouTube at Shed Crazy. Um but my Instagram is redbeard_rocky. I might have to change that at some point, though. It's a little bit corny. I've, I've changed it a couple times over the years, but I, I think I might just have to go to my first and last name. But, yeah, I'm Redbeard underscore Rocky right now. Um, <laughs> and that's – that's uh, I'm, I'm decent about posting on there, so you'll see most of what I'm doing on there. Nice. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Let's uh, let's do it again. I'm excited to uh, hear some more stories. You bet, dude. Let's uh, Let's link up after the hunts or something. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for listening to the Tricer Podcast. Do us a favor and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Tricer USA. And go and check out all of our innovative gear at www.tricerusa.com. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun, and always put God first.